severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello and welcome back to Just Get a Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I am, of course, your host, Jamie McKinley, and as you can probably detect in my voice, I'm, I'm absolutely choked with the cold. But it's all good, I've got a mug of lemon and honey on hand. We'll get through this together. I'm one of those absolute freaks that, like, when they get ill, even if it's like a little sniffle like this, I get proper man flu and I hate being ill. But anyway, we'll survive. I'll, I'll stop I'll stop being pathetic and I'll pull myself together. But anyway, the show must go on. But speaking to us on the podcast this week, for the 80th episode of Just Get A Real Job, I know how crazy is that? We've done 80 episodes and I can't believe it. But speaking to us on the podcast this week, we were joined by Jason Lohr, who is the Director of Creative Engagement for Trinity Theatre, which is based in Tunbridge Wells. Trinity do lots of amazing work and Jason does lots of amazing work. Um, He's also heavily involved with speech bubbles, which goes into schools and stuff and and uses sort of drama workshops to improve young people's lives. In fact, a lot of what Jason does is really inspiring, like the sort of some of the workshops and community stuff this theatre does at Trinity are really, really inspiring. And it was great to speak to somebody like Jason. We haven't had someone that does what he does on the podcast before. So it was a really, really enjoyable chat. And speaking of enjoyable chats as well, we'd had so much nice feedback about last week's episode as well with Conor O'Boyle, who is a performance coach. It was such a brilliant episode, that one as well. This week's is actually very much in the same vein as that. Both are really inspiring ones, quite interesting, a, a bit different to what we'd had before. So it's cool to put these ones out. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm sure you will. Oh yeah, as always, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, be sure to share us on social media, tell friends and family to listen. We also have a Patreon page as well, so if you can afford to donate literally anything to that, even if it's a one-off, all that money goes back into making this podcast the best it can be. Because in all honesty, we make a loss on this podcast. I do it because I love it. But you know, any money we do make, we can sort of invest into it. We've got some big things planned, hopefully. I also just wanted to plug an upcoming gig this week. We had Matt Hickman of the band Brown Bear on the podcast a few weeks ago, episode 74. And they are going on tour and they're playing several dates around Scotland. And the first of which is on Wednesday in Glasgow at Stereo. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But yeah, go and check out Matt's gigs if you get a chance. There's still tickets left for that. But yeah, I think that's everything for today. I managed to sniffle my way through this intro. But I'll be back at the end with a bit more waffle. But anyway, until then, this is episode 80 of Just Get A Real Job with Jason Lohr. Hi Jason, it's lovely to meet you. Thank you very, very much for coming on Just Get A Real Job on a Monday evening. It's very much appreciated. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, and you were saying before we started recording that you're actually having to do it from the office because was it your computer died or something, right? Yeah, the computer setup that I'd got quite refined over lockdown for Zooms and, and recordings and things like that died last night and I'm very sad. But I've got my laptop and I've, I'm ready to go and we're in this lovely building here and the last one in on a Monday night, which is unusual, but yeah. <laughs> You get extra points then, there you go, dedicated to the yeah. job and all that. But like, obviously you work for Trinity Theatre, is that correct? So I'm the Director of Creative Engagement and I am responsible for our work with teenagers, with children, with preschoolers and then also schools and colleges, adults and older adults as well. So the whole 
gamut and all the participatory arts that we do across the theatre. That's really cool. That's very exciting because obviously this podcast is a big part of it is like engage more with the arts and you know so I don't think we spoke to anyone that works specifically in a sort of creative engagement role as well so it's it's really nice to have someone like yourself on and there'll be plenty for us to talk about in regards to the theatre and to regards to your opinions on on the current <laughs> state of the arts I'm sure you've got lots to say on that as well but to kick off the podcast we normally like to ask our guests about their earliest creative memories so do you remember like your earliest creative memory and like when you maybe first got into the idea of I might want to work in the arts I might want to work in theatre etc so I think it was my parents used to put me in for these summer camps at the Colchester Arts Centre and they used to do a whole mixture of things like circus skills and magic and I used to put on little shows on in the back garden for my parents and my grandparents of magic shows and circus skills and all these things I've not kept up with and that was great fun and I used to just love doing those sorts of things when I was when I was a child and then the first show I did was Smike so that was the first experience of youth theatre when I was about eight or so and that was so magical and so much fun and really led the way for the next few years of doing every bit of youth theatre I could. Yeah and doing this sort of youth theatre stuff did you ever think at the time like I would maybe like to go on and do this as you know a job or was it always just something you enjoyed at the time and and didn't really think too much about? So I always loved acting and really wanted to to be an actor and I was at a grammar school and the attitude from staff although not the drama teacher but from I think the rest of the school was very much go get a real job and go and do go get a degree first in something that's not drama and even my lambda teacher outside of school was go get a proper degree first go do that and then you've got something to fall back on and so I did that and lost all confidence I had with with performing and I've done a little bit since then but I spent the next few years doing political research in in Westminster and doing that before I came back to theatre and it was only when the youth theatre director from when I was a teenager died that I started doing it more full-time and I'd been assisting him but came back and ran it all and that coincided Mm. with the redundancy so made it a lot easier to transition into theatre full-time. Yeah, there's a lot to sort of unpack in that, and I'll, I'll probably come back onto that more specifically as I go on, and I'll mm. sort of I'll ask you about that very shortly. But in regards to that thing you talked about grammar school and things, and people you're being told, like, you know, it's, it's to get a real job and, like, you know, go and get a proper degree and stuff. What sort of things were you doing at that time? Did you have other interests? Are we always deep down, like, kind of like, I really would like to sort of do the drama stuff if I could? I, I think it was... So theatre was the, the big thing, and... I I liked computers and working with computers, but it was always the theatre side that was really, really the passion. And that was the thing that I did two or three nights a week from the age of 13 through to when I went to university when I was 19. Yeah. And what did you, so what did you study at university? What did you go off and study? Politics. And that is how you ended up. Well, we can, again, we'll come back onto that because that is very interesting. And I'm sure you'll, as somebody who studied politics, you'll have opinions on politics and the state of the arts, et cetera, which would be interesting to ask you about. But just again, to circle slightly back as well, another question I'd love to ask, which ties into the first one, is about where people are from. So firstly, where are you from and how has that influenced you as a as a creative person and as in the job you do now? So I, was, I lived near Colchester till I was 11, and then we moved to Tunbridge in Kent, just in time for me to start secondary school. And being in Tunbridge, it's really, it's close enough to London that it's quite easy to get there. So it's 42 minutes on the train. And Tunbridge has the Oast Theatre, which is a voluntary run amateur theatre, 112 seater, that does 
12 shows a year. And that's where I'm probably from most in terms of that's the youth theatre that had the biggest impact on me. And yeah, Tunbridge and Kent is where I'd say I'm from. Yeah. And what was it sort of like as a teenager there? Was was it quite a... You were talking about these fears and stuff. Was it quite a creative place, do you think? Was it quite a lot of... Or was it more that you would go into London to get that side of it? I think to see theatre, it would be go go to London. And we go into Charing Cross, which is in the West End. And when I was a... Particularly when I was a... 14, 15, I started to get tickets for like the news quiz and I'm sorry I'm to clue and just a minute and then the TV recordings and just seeing the behind the scenes workings mm. of these TV shows and, and radio shows and they're also free tickets. So it was just quite an easy, you'd, you'd pay for a child ticket to go up to London and then go see a free recording and that was a lot of, a lot of time was spent doing that with me and five other mates just going to see have I got news for you or Buzzcocks being filmed? Oh, brilliant, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and was that sort of, was that like the mid-2000s and stuff, yeah? Yeah, so that would have been mid-2003 like, to 2007 or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I think I'm a bit, I'm obviously a bit younger than you, I think, but like, when I, I remember growing up in those sort of shows being on and stuff, yeah. I, yeah, because who was that iconic guy that was on Buzzcocks that like, what's his oh, name was again? that Simon Amstel? Yeah, but who was the guy, yeah. was it Preston or something, the one that was like the really viral? Oh, who scene? walked off, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah so- the photo shoot was for the Daily Mail, which made me feel really posh and upmarket. Are you brilliant, man? I'll just see you later. I can't what? Bother. Sorry. Oh, no, Preston, no, come no, on. No, I'm seriously going on. Preston, yeah. we're having fun. All right. Come on, Preston. Oh, no, we can't lose Preston. <laughs> I guess he thought he's been voted out. No. <laughs> I mean, I only read his girlfriend's book. That's his wife. I only read his wife's book. <laughs> That was brilliant. We we saw it with Mark Lamar, and he got very he got very irritated with the audience, I think. But it was just so much fun watching like the directors and the floor managers come on. And I remember a bit later on going to see Have I Got News for You the day after the 2010 election, and having Clegg and Farage and Co resign during during that record was really fun to watch. My God, that's yeah, proper throwbacks there. No, not that. But like, was watching stuff like that. Did that also kind of inform you? Do you think was that where you sort of think? Or was, it, or was it also because you were sort of interested in politics? I suppose have I got news to you and stuff? It's like they kind of overlap, don't they? With between arts and politics. Yeah, I mean, we have I got news for you is just always fun to 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 watch, and so it was mock the week, and but it, it it was more the entertainment value of it rather than the politics, I think, and seeing how everything was made. I went to see two pounds of lager and a packet of crisps a few times, and I never really liked the show, but I loved watching it being made. And that was just so much fun to to see them move all the sets around. And from that, you can apply how, you know, Friends or Frasier or the American sitcoms were filmed as well. And that was really, it was a good night out and really fun. Dead Ringers was really fun to watch, although long, just changing between all the characters when they did it as a TV show. It was just, yeah, really fun to watch the behind the scenes stuff. And I suppose, I know it's slightly different, but you, in a sense, are working behind the scenes in theatre now. So it's almost full circle in the sense that you're now in a job in an industry which kind of ties into all this informative stuff from a younger age that you were so interested in. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it it really has kind of helped with it it helped see how much goes into those sorts of things. Mm. And when we were in youth theatre, it was us and the director. It was the cast and the director. And then we'd kind of dabble in other bits of it. And it's what we've really tried to do at Trinity is give everyone a sense of the multitude of roles that they can do. And I, I saw a friend of mine the other week who is now an engineer at 
ITV and she got interested in doing all of that that work because she used to come with me to see the TV recordings mm. and she just said like she was like me just fascinated in seeing all these different bits how they work and it's like a puzzle I'm picking how things work I, I I I think though that more people younger people especially would be interested in some of these more unusual roles in TV and, and film and theater and stuff if they maybe saw more of them I think I mean oh, my, yeah. I mean I, I work in TV development now but growing up that never seemed like a world I'd ever be in because when I with the small town I come from in Scotland like you didn't there was no TV shows being filmed like TV was this glamorous world that existed as a form of escapism and I think by giving people access to the things you're talking about seeing behind the scenes and or what you're trying to do at Trinity with the youth theater and, and, and things like that and keeping people maybe seeing what all the different roles are I think that's very important in people's sort of development and growth oh 100 percent. and it, it, it's still providing that sort of there's quite a few of them now who come into the backstage youth theater who they know about lighting but they don't know everything that sound entails or they don't know the kind of rush that they would get through calling a show and all those they, they might know the top line jobs but they don't know all the detail of it and we really try to make sure that they experiment with different skill sets and so and, and similarly we try to get some of the actors to do it as well so one of the best young actors that I've worked with is currently on a tour of a West End show as a stage manager because she got into doing all the backstage stuff and there's quite a few of them who have now gone into doing stage management or going to to lighting because they got to see how much fun all that sort of things were and their confidence on stage maybe wavered for whatever reason as they got older they felt more confident behind the desk and either directing or, or stage managing or lighting design or props and things like that and that's really exciting to see yeah it really is and I think also a lot of people growing up maybe just they don't because they don't know about these roles they think they're creative and they think well the only way to do that is to be an actor or to be a writer or a director one of the more obvious roles and then they don't even realize that they have the option to you know as you say be a lighting d- designer or, or like a stage manager or something that would creatively satisfy them they'd be really good at it's never been an option because they haven't had that sort of glimpse of it so I think it's brilliant that you're like you said that people are getting that it's really interesting well it's another question tying into where you're from before we move forward and I want to ask you about some of the politics stuff and your sort of your path to where you are now in more detail but do you have a favorite word or phrase from sort of where you're from I've been thinking about this all day and I I don't know what that would be and I asked one of my colleagues and she said I don't think we've got any the phrase I always like which isn't from where we are but I mean it's... it can just be anything you like to be fair because it's, it's you know yeah that's cool I always like go you big red fire engine so that's from Adam Hill's stand-up show in 2002 I think and it's just like a big expression of fun and just someone came on stage and just declared it for the audience and I always think that kind of bombastic just having fun joy de vivre is is what we that's what I is, is that go-to phrase that I I always kind of go with and no one really understands why because none of them saw the stand-up show but it's that's that's always been the phrase that I've cottoned on to yeah no, that's a good one that's a good one well except that see it doesn't have to be always be where I, f- I find it easier like if you have a someone from an example in Scotland if there's more slang for whatever reason or certain yeah. parts of the the country have more of an identity than other parts for whatever reason it just it seems to be a common thing on the podcast I find as well I think I think Ken does we definitely have an identity but I wouldn't know what the it's harder to maybe measure yeah yeah because I do feel like there's so much of everything feels borrowed to an extent from from those there's no things like my, my my colleague she was she was up north somewhere and she was just saying she really loves the word duck and just say oh my duck and and we don't have that 
yeah, there probably is something, but I just can't. I thought honestly, don't worry. That's all good. Yeah. It's all good. It's just a, it's just a kind of little fun question I'd like to sometimes ask. Mm. But so continuing on with your career and stuff, and like you, as you say, like going off, to, you you went to study politics at uni and sort of ended up mm. working. How how did you find that, and how has that helped you now in the job you do now? Because I I think someone on this podcast will try to remind young creatives maybe listening is even if you work jobs that aren't necessarily in the arts, they all can inform your life, and you can take things from them that apply to you know whatever you end up doing in the art yeah so the the degree i would like to say it's all storytelling because i did a law conversion afterwards and that's they're all just storytelling in a way and the political research that that i ended up doing when it was creating research reports for charities or for corporations it was trying to tell a narrative it was still trying to tell a story not in quite the same physical way that i would we would do a show but it's still something that it was creating that narrative, that journey and that indication of what they what the life like is a civil servant or what parliamentarians think of a certain think of the Barnet formula or something like that. That's something we worked on. And so it's that storytelling. But I think also the background in youth theatre really helped. I could be put in front of clients and know how to talk to them and although I'm not doing it very well in the sentence, articulate myself and be able to kind of explain certain concepts. And so that was very helpful. And I think what that has then helped me in the arts is working in a professional environment, in, in, a, in a research environment, has really helped when I've come into the arts on the producing side of it, because I understand accounts, I understand budgets, I those sorts of process-driven things, I understand in a way that, if I had been purely in the creative side of things, I don't think I would understand quite or appreciate quite as much. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And if, again, I just think it's good for people to remember that even if you go off and do like something else and then come back to the arts, like you, it all does inform each other. And oh yeah, there's no right path either. Like every every single guest in this podcast, totally different paths into whatever part of it they're doing. Because I think some of these people think there's a rule you have to do this to do you know have to do this to be an actor you have to do this to be a artistic director or whatever do you know what I mean but there's not really a rule it, it sort of it's everyone's paths unique which I think is good I think I think with the like, even when I was studying politics it was the stuff that I was studying like the political philosophy stuff we've used in workshops and in rehearsals to inform some of the work that that we do and so we end up doing things around game theory or we end up doing things around rules and plato and things like that i can bring into workshops bring into rehearsal rooms and that was really useful as being able to have those sorts of conversations with the teenagers when we've done more political shows because it's not it's not just about party politics it's about social issues and things like that and that's been really useful yeah. and it's also been really useful to have connections because i've been able to although i have fewer connections in you know westminster now i was able to refer a couple of the youth theater to who were interested in politics to some people I knew who were able to help them out with answering questions or things like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and again, to not put you in like a the spot or anything, but like as somebody who's maybe worked at Westminster in politics and stuff, is there anything that you think the arts can do with social issues right now? Like, because I imagine a lot of your outreach program at Trinity and stuff is very much good for the community and it, it's making a difference to people's lives. Oh, yeah. So we don't, everything that we, we try to do is is based on how, how we can use the arts to help achieve some difference so while some of the older ones want to go on to drama school and want to be actors the vast majority don't necessarily and it's all about using the arts to help foster that change and so whether that is through tackling social isolation with over 55s or through helping five-year-olds with uh, speech and language and communication needs there's those powerful 
ways to do it. But I think what we've tried to do with the shows is whether that is... So we did the Laramie Project, which is about a gay man who was beaten to death for being gay. It's a really powerful script. It's all verbatim theatre based on the murder of Matthew Shepard in uh, Laramie, Wyoming in 1998. And we did that about six years ago, and we invited the new MP for the local area to to come and see it. Now, we didn't know at the time, but he's fairly socially liberal on those things and and would never have been, I don't think, LGBT or LGB rights, at least, would never really be a cause for concern with him. But getting an MP to see a show like that was really helpful. And that was something that I felt more confident to do, knowing how to kind of, who to speak to. And similarly, when we do the shows, so we've done some shows shows about um, Pronoun, which is um, a show about a a trans boy who, and his relationship with his boyfriend from before he transitioned. And that has been a really useful starting point for some of the parents who, of the trans members. And so the young people have invited their parents along to see it. And it's provided a context and a starting point for for those discussions. And similarly, just audience members who have nothing to do with it come along and see it because they've seen one of our more comedic shows like Dracula or Ben-Hur or something. And they come along and see it and realise that it helps provide some sort of context for for the for those issues, for, for the people watching it. Yeah, no, 100%. I'd love to ask you even more about like the sort of things you're doing at Trinity and things in relation to that. And just I'll move forward in a minute with you, sort of how you end up getting into the exact job you're in. But in regards to the politics as well, do you think currently, and I know it's slightly different in Scotland and England and stuff because of devolution and things, but like, do you think that the government in the UK, will we say, is doing enough for the arts right now? What do you, your personal opinion, like, what do you think that needs to change in that regard? Do you think there is anything big that you would love to see them maybe do differently from a theatre perspective in particular? So for me, it'd be value in education and people won't get into the the industry. And we've got like a really powerful industry is in a really effective theatre and wider arts industry in this country that if you don't feed anything into it, we'll, we'll just starve because it, it's, you don't have those people coming from different backgrounds, different things like that. And I, I, I don't know if you saw it. Did you see Mark Rylance's bit in the programme for Jerusalem? So he's in Jerusalem at the moment and he's used his bio to talk about the importance of arts education right. and saying how Eton has two theatres. So clearly it's, they value it. Why don't other schools have access to that? Seeing it kind of sidelined or seen as, not a proper subject really well to some extent that's great for us in that they will come to to the to trinity instead of doing it at school i think they need to see that spark they need to have that spark at school yeah and um, an idea where to do both wouldn't they do you know that yeah, yeah. and it yeah it's it's so i think that's the biggest thing that the the government could could do whether that's through you know the dfe or through dcms just champion the arts in schools and champion all of those because it's not just for people who want to become actors it is people who it's so many soft skills and you really see it with the children who come into the youth theater the schools that value the arts have the children who are stronger at communicating yeah and and confidence is such a big part of the arts like personally me speaking like that they're doing things like drama and taking part in like amateur dramatics and, and music and things. That's where I got all my confidence from as a youngster. That's where I learned to express myself. And I think so many people would benefit from that as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So the reason I got my parents put me into youth theatre was because my parents thought that I was autistic and I got a diagnosis when I was in my early 20s. And part of the reason they didn't push for the diagnosis 
diagnosis when I was a teenager was because I went into youth theatre and that provided me with a focus and provided me with the confidence. I developed the confidence. We're speaking over Zoom, but if you and I were in person, I'd be looking you in the eye, which I probably would not have done when I was 11. Mm. And it gave me all those soft skills that irrelevant of where I am, that I'm working in the theatre now. I know I couldn't have done my last job, the political research stuff, or done any of those sorts of jobs were it not for the youth theatre stuff. And that didn't need me to go and then work in theatre. That just needed me to have those soft skills. And you really notice it when the schools have kind of, they don't give that sort of boost and that sort of skill level. Because you you notice it when when you see it with people in non-theatre roles as well, in non-theatre environments who just have no confidence talking in front of anyone else. Yeah. And I think it's really helpful to to develop those soft skills. Yeah, 100%. And, and also, Jason, I really appreciate you opening up about that because I, I think there'll be lots of people who have in the exact same position. And, you know, we'd had a f- quite a few people on this podcast who have had, you know, various things, dis- disabilities, neurodivergent. I mean, I'm dyslexic, for example, that being in the arts really helped me overcome that and still is to this day. Like, do you know what I mean? So I think it's a really important thing that you're talking about that because I think there'll be lots of people listening that can relate. And, and I absolutely think that's one of the most important things about the arts is it really can help anyone with challenges overcome them. And, and it just, you know, as you said, I wish the government, not just in this country, but across the world, took the arts more seriously than education because it's something that's very close to my heart and something that's you know comes up in this podcast very very regularly so it's, it's great to talk about with you hello it's jb here you may have heard this advert several times before but if not this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing now as many of you might be aware the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated and i mean there's lots of podcasts we all love podcasts But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful. Not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Just to sort of move things forward slightly and your career and stuff. So you sort of touched on it earlier, but how did you end up getting into like the job you're in now, basically? What was the sort of path there from politics to, to Trinity? So I, Ken, who ran, Ken Bannister, he ran the OSU Theatre for 37 years, I think. And he always used to say, no one ever comes back. And so I made a point of going to see some of the shows and said, if you ever want a hand, like, I'll gladly come and, and help out when, when I, after I'd, um, got back from uni and so he asked me to help with some of the props and help backstage and my friend Faye and I who also used to be part of the youth theatre went and helped out over the next so that was 2010 2011 and over the next four years I would either help out or as his his wife 
got ill and then died, I would kind of take over some of the workshops and run some of the workshops and rehearsals while he wasn't there. And then he got progressively more ill and I started doing more and more. And he passed away. And then I started doing the, the host, we do like weekly work or fortnightly workshops and then we do shows. And I couldn't do the shows while I was doing the job in London. So I would do the workshops and someone else would do the shows. And I always felt like I really wanted to do more of that. And Mm. the company I was with, I kept going through rounds of redundancies and I kept getting moved. And so eventually they made me redundant and I got a bit of a payout, which was quite nice. And that allowed me to build up a directing CV so we, I lost my job in June, which was great timing because that's just when all the youth theatre were finishing their exams. And over the next few months, we did two casts for one show, two casts for another show, two more plays and two more plays. So we, we did nine shows in about six wow. months. Yeah. And that was only possible because I had got the payoff and I was able to go and live with my parents. And so I'm very fortunate in that regard and 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 they were really helpful and supportive and from that I did two days a week doing consultancy stuff in data and research which would help pay for me doing three days a week at Trinity as a part-time schools officer and so I was brought in to help develop their schools program and then a year later Bethan who was my predecessor in this role left and I took over running the youth and learning department as it was then and we've grown it from the, the great work that she did to being this this very big entity that it is now. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's really interesting. And just, just for the listeners, like, do you want to talk about your role in creative engagement? What, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Uh, so the thing I love is that no day is the same as the other. So we do... So today has been very heavy in the planning of stuff and just it, it's quite a nice respite to have... A, I think most of this week is going to be quite office-based, which is unusual. So usually in a week, we'd have youth theatre workshops, we'd have youth theatre rehearsals, we would have, and so the rehearsals can be for, we did Legally Blonde earlier this year, we've done Dracula, The Bloody Truth, which is a great seven-hander for our, our older teenagers. We do Speech Bubbles, which is the thing I'm probably proudest of that we do, and we go into 23 schools across Kent, seeing 420 children each week, children with speech, language and communication needs. So I go into one of those, but some of my colleagues do four. And then we do work with older adults on a Wednesday, which is chair dancing, so seated movement and singing. And then we've got life drawing on a Wednesday, which if you ever saw me draw, you'd understand why I'm not involved in that. <laughs> and then we, we go into school, so we're doing a transitions project in the next few weeks to help year sixes go into year sevens. Two weeks ago, we had National Theatre Connections here. So we had six other youth theatre groups and schools come in. It really, really varies. And someday I can spend the whole day working on funding applications, replying to emails, which is more Mm. of my job now than it used to be. Or I could spend a whole day running rehearsals. So over the summer, I'm going from from the last week of July, we are doing the Jungle Book Adams Family, Susicle, Matilda, Don Quixote, which is our Edinburgh show, and Movie in a Week, which I won't be working on and blue stockings with the host. So that's a whole load of making and creating things. But equally, my job is, as well as I'll direct one or two of those, is like pastoral lead and supporting the the supporting the young people who might need help or, or there's a lot of mental health issues, particularly over the last couple of years, but even before the pandemic, being able to 
give support and and mm. just speak to them and we're not counselors but giving them support and just to, someone to listen to yeah well it sounds like a very interesting job and it, it sounds like trinity as a theater and stuff is a, is a really like good place so that you've clearly built like an amazing ethos at and like system and things like what is i mean it's a tough question but like kind of two questions for this but what's your favorite thing about trinity and what's your favorite part of the job so my favorite part of the job is is I suppose there's two bits if I can cheat. There's one yeah, which is like just spending time with the people who we work with. So so whether that is my colleagues who I, I really like, but also just the young people and getting to know them and seeing how they change. So some of that is just they've got older, but other things, seeing how the arts can really benefit them. So with speech bubbles, seeing someone who had one girl who came in and would burst into tears for the first few months she saw me. And by the end of it, she, she wouldn't talk as well. She, she wouldn't talk in class. She wouldn't talk in speech bubbles. And by the end of it, she would have to come in early to tell me about her cat, mm-hmm. all her, all these wonderful things that were going on with her and giving her the confidence through drama and through storytelling to be able to to do these wonderful things and similarly by over a longer period of time we've got members of the youth theatre who have we weren't sure if they would get on stage if they would be able to to go and do the show and it's fine if they don't but obviously we want them to feel confident enough to do that to now some of those who were 11 or 12 going on to starring in the shows or one of them's assistant directed and I think seeing that development is the really Mm. that's the thing I love the most but that's a longer term thing and with Trinity I love that it gives me the opportunity to do that and it gives us the space to do that and it it's really become this center locally of of these different activities and that's something that I really am proud of and really pleased that we've been able to do that yeah that's, that's amazing. And Trinity is one of the biggest, like you have one of the biggest outreach programs outside of London or something as well, right? At the moment, that's what. I don't know. So I. That's what they I, said in the email. Is... So I apologise if I'm just. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know because I don't know how to to measure it. In terms of speech bubbles, we are the biggest provider, and in terms of the number of children we see, we see a lot. But I don't know that's if okay. there's a metric that. Yeah, I'll leave that back just, just in case we misquote something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I worry I'd annoy someone by saying that we are. <laughs> I, I think we punch well above our weight in terms of what we do. Mm. Given we're a 291 seat venue with until the last, until the pandemic, no Arts Council funding really, though we're not an MPO. I think we, we do a lot. And yeah, we're the biggest speech bubbles provider. Really reaches a lot of children. Yeah. And, and obviously we'll link, there'll be links into the theatre in the show notes. So anyone listening who maybe is around and is interested in seeing the shows. But obviously as I'm, I'm, I live in Edinburgh, I'm, I'm Scottish, as you can probably tell from the accent. Yeah. And the fact to mention it, but like you said, you had an Edinburgh show. So particularly because I think we have, we'll have more Scottish listeners, I reckon, than we will have UK wide listeners. But what is the Edinburgh show and where can people see that as well? Do you want to quickly plug that? I... Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of course, swear away. Okay, well, so it's called <laughs> Who the Fuck is Don Quixote? And it's written by Jack Stacey, who has just finished a run in the West End production of The Play That Goes Wrong. We're really lucky that our artistic director, Sean, is the associate director on The Play That Goes Wrong. And so he put me in contact with Jack, and Jack has written us a show specifically for the youth theatre. So it's multi-rolling, it's, there's 30-odd characters for 14 people. It's all very high energy, lots of silliness and lots of pop culture references and that'll be on at greenside on the third week of the fringe 
Brilliant. Well, I'll, um, I'll, which I'll, we're really excited I'll, about. I'll definitely look out myself. It's always nice to get theatre recommendations at, uh, from doing this podcast. But just yeah. before I sort of got a few more questions, I'll start to wrap things up soon because I know it's been 45 minutes. But just before I get into the sort of last few questions, I just wanted to ask, like, in, as like, obviously you work in Trinity Theatre, but like in general, like, what is there anything you would like to see theatre be able to do more of? Like, is there anything you would like to achieve in your role at Trinity, like, that you haven't maybe been able to do yet? I always would like to decrease the prices of things that it costs while also being able to pay my staff more. So if someone can work out how to do that, that'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we're quite fortunate in Tunbridge Wells that there's a lot of wealthy people, but not quite as many as I think the national portrait would have people believe. And yeah, I'd love to be able to make it less intimidating to go to the theatre or take part in things and removing financial barriers but also just making it easier for people to feel like it's something that they can belong to as well is something yeah. that I'd really love to work out how to do. Do you still sort of feel that theatre from your experiences still got that sort of middle class thing where it doesn't always feel as accessible as it should to work in class communities and stuff? Yeah and I think especially around here where it, Trinity's lovely but it's a it's a converted church from the 1830s it is imposing outside and we still have a lot of people think it's a church and come in hasn't been a church for 40 years and I, I think there's there's that barrier to kind of coming in and what we've tried to do through so we we work with a lot of schools and a lot of schools in the poorest areas in the southeast and we've been quite keen to get the schools to recommend children who would not usually engage with the theatre yeah and so they get free spaces and then you see them take part in the shows and that's wonderful but also their parents come along and they've clearly not been to a theatre much or if they did it was when they were at school and making them aware that it's accessible to them is really important but I we need to be able to do that in a sustainable way and that's always the the challenge yeah no I, it is hard but like it's great to hear people like yourself talk about it and be aware of it that you know, people in your position know that and are you know making active steps so it's really important and it's been really interesting just having someone like yourself as I say we've not had somebody in your particular role on the podcast before like you know we've not had like creative engagement or anyone in that in the quite in this way so it's quite interesting for me and, and for the listeners etc but I've got a few couple of more questions to wrap things mm. up and this one one of the ones I sent you but like what would you sort of say the free essential skills are to maybe do your job at the moment so are there like particular skills you think people would need to do the job you do that you have energy and and drive just to to kind of push through it there's so much to do but that's also because we add so much to do I so i think that. that's yeah it's, <laughs> oh, it's don't do your hobby for a job because you always work there's a better way of saying that, isn't it but um yeah i know what you mean yeah <laughs> it, it's i i love my job and i just spend a lot of time doing it so I think that drive, that that zeal is is really important. I think curiosity in different projects and different people is always really important. And I think that's yeah. been really important with the youth theatre, like just and the older adults, like just taking an interest in who they are mm. is really really important and that also you find out stories so one of the the older adults used to to work at the bank of england and she's got wonderful stories that'll someday hopefully find their way into a show somehow and just that curiosity i think is really important yeah and then finding a way to take care of yourself i think is important so again yeah. it's like if you're doing your job your hobby for your job it's really easy to overwork but also in the role that I have, a lot of a lot of time is spent worrying about safeguarding concerns sometimes. So talked about the mental health with the young people or things that might come up that are completely out of our control, but are still things that I worry about. And being able to look after yourself and make sure that you've got an outlet, I think, is really important. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I I think that was an excellent. These they're all excellent answers, actually. Yeah, no, they're really they're really good. A really important thing at the end as well that we don't always think about is that you have to look after yourself, especially in your job where I feel like you're doing a lot for a lot of other people all the time. You know, you're constantly there for other people, and it's, it's important to remember yourself and to look after yourself, hundred percent. Yeah, and I think the curiosity answer is great. That if I was to answer this question, if if I was to be on the other side of it, that's definitely what it would be one of mine. I think being curious is so important to one, to learning and, and having a good life, but just, you know, hearing people's stories is amazing. And yeah, I think being curious as a creative person just does wonders for you in all parts of that. So I think even like the backstage youth theatre, the more, the more technically minded ones, the ones who have really excelled in that are the ones who just, uh, why does this work? How does this work? And just so one of them's built a, a queue system just because he wanted to make one that was better yeah. and he's, he's he's kind of worked out how it all worked taught himself and i think that's really important and it's really useful for when he goes on to university or professional jobs because he he's got that curiosity and i think the same would apply for any sort of job the more curious you are the, the more likely you are to try and do things more effectively yeah 100 percent in all parts of life I'd, I'd, I'd add as well not even just the arts but yeah definitely just get a real job. Well, two more questions for you. Obviously, the name of the podcast mm. is just get a real job. We don't have to work jobs maybe didn't like to pay the bills or just to, to get by. But like, what's the worst part-time job or worst, quote, real job you'd ever had to work to support yourself as a, an artist or just in your life so far? So I think the one I, I disliked the most was probably going around knocking on doors to check that people were on the electoral roll, which was, on the plus side, you got to meet lots of nice people. But it was also, you got to meet a lot of people who didn't like people knocking on their doors because they thought probably that we were selling something. <sighs> but it was, we were trying to make sure that they able to vote. And it was not partisan or anything. It was from the council. And I didn't enjoy that. I didn't enjoy the aggression that some people showed. Yeah, that's probably my least favourite. Fair, fair enough. And But did you learn anything from that job that in a positive spin or? Oh, yeah. So how to deal with customers, which has been really helpful because audience members are customers in some way. Yeah. And, and I think that taught me a lot about how to approach different types of people in different situations. Yeah. Definitely. Well, we're nearly at the end. There's one last question. It sort of almost ties into the skills question in some ways. And you'd given some really interesting insights and advice throughout this episode. But like, what would your sort of closing advice be to anyone that maybe was to wanting to get into the part of that issue and so like creative engagement or just in general wants to get into the theatre industry? What would you say to them? I think be persistent because I've definitely just tried and tried to kind of, if, if you've got an idea to do something, don't wait for someone else to kind of give it to you. you know, just go and we've we've had people who have kind of come to us and gone, I want to be a director. Can I come and shadow you as an assistant director? Or the youth theatre, we've got so many of them who go, I want to do this. So can I please come and shadow you with this? Or can I work with you on this? And that has been invaluable for us and invaluable for them. We had one of the youth theatre uh, or former members of the youth theatre email me the other day and go, I've got a free week for from uni can I come and help you out with the connections festival he said I'll volunteer my time and I said okay we'll come in on the Monday and by two hours in we'd offered him a place for the week because it just like paid place because he was invaluable and he maybe more than a couple of hours but on that first day I had tech turned to me and said we need him for the rest of the week can we hire him for the rest of the week and it was that persistence and that just asking and I know some places will be more receptive to it than others and with him we knew him from before because it'd been part of the youth theatre. But if you're young and if you're in a youth theatre, just ask to do things. I love it when teenagers ask me if they could production manage something or direct something. And we'll find a way to make it happen because 
Mm. I'd rather they do it and then me just support them. Yeah, that's definitely. that's where I'd rather be. No, there's a very good answer. Jason, thank you very, very much for your time. I appreciate you staying behind thank in your you. office on a Monday night. I'll let you get away. Oh, I need to get away. But like, um, it's great to hear about Trinity and we'll obviously link that in the show notes and wish you all the best with your summer program and, and in Edinburgh and all that. And I'll definitely look your show out for sure. Thank you very much. Is there something else I could just mention in case? Yeah, of course, please, please. So with Speech Bubbles, I'm a trustee of that now. And Speech Bubbles, like I've said, is, is I think the thing I'm proudest of us doing because it really has those real world effects but there's always we're a partner theatre for it and so we're a partner theatre of Speech Bubble CIO and if anyone is in a theatre company or in a theatre with a creative engagement department who feels like going into schools and using drama and storytelling to help children with speech language and communication needs is the sort of thing that they could really do well I know that Speech Bubble CIO would love to, to hear from you Adam at Speech Bubbles would love to hear from people who want to use the arts as a tool to make difference. Yeah. That definitely sounds brilliant. And I, I strongly encourage people to take that up because it, I, what's an amazing thing that you created and what you're doing. And it's great to hear that it's making a real genuine impact in people's life. So that's great. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. Well, there you go. That was episode 80 of Just Get A Real Job with Jason. Thank you again, Tim, for his time. Remember to go and check out Trinity Theatre and the work they do there. And there's links in the show notes to that as well. Remember, keep an eye on the Edinburgh show, keep an eye on all their upcoming stuff. It's a great community theatre that does so much good work for their local community and the arts in general. As always, as well, if you're enjoying this podcast, remember, we're an independent podcast, so we don't have a lot of resources, so we rely on support of, of local people, of people that listen, of our listener base. So, you know, if you can share this podcast with friends and family send it to people post it on social media leave us reviews or donate isn't literally anything to our patreon page all that goes back into the upkeep of this podcast we make a loss doing this podcast we do it because we love it and it's an absolute joy to do but thank you as always for listening i hope everyone has a lovely week we've got one more episode to come and then we're gonna have a few weeks off for the summer but we've got some big things planned hopefully be taking this to the fringe we're still waiting to hear back but we'll keep you updated next week's episode but until then have a lovely week and goodbye for now just get a read